This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, we get into money. In fact, where does commercial money go? What is commercial real estate up to? Not a lot of desire for office space with so many people still working from home. But one sector in Canada's economy that is booming is commercial real estate because of things we want to buy. That comes in the form of warehousing. Adam Jacobs, Senior National Director of Research Colliers, helps us understand why commercial real estate is thriving with warehouses, even with plenty of people still working remotely, not needing office space. So, our online shopping is good for the economy, although maybe not the most eco when you think about the amount of stuff we buy. Handy Andy Barrar doesn't want you to throw out your old garden hoses. Plus, he has tips on how you can transform your old garden hose into something new with his DIY tips. Andy shares that, plus how to vacuum in tip-top shape with a powerful sucker of a vacuum and a little skip rope injury. Are you okay with public art? And what about bodyguards? All of that and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Well, here we are back to work. For me, after a bit of a break, I am back to work. Still not in an office, mind you. It's been almost three years now since I have gone and worked in an office at all. In fact, the irony of all things is the only time I've spent in a radio studio is to make TV commercials, (laughs) not even for radio. So we don't even do radio in radio studios anymore. Um, Broadcasting from home to, I think, is an office. Adam Jacobs joins me now. He's Senior National Director of Research for Collier. uh, Collier. Um, Which way do you guys say it, by the way? I've heard it said both ways. We say say Collier's, yes. uh. Okay, good. Um, I'm happy to be here, Shane. Thanks, let's get into it. Yeah, thanks for being here. joining us from Toronto and, and uh, getting into the, some of this conversation. Now, um, people are moving, people are going from houses to houses, but one of the things that uh, I think most people have forgotten about is the impact of work from home when work is vacant still. Um, so I, I was really curious about this. I've got a couple of friends who are realtors, and over the course of the last week or so, as we had a chance to get together, you know, how how's business? Interest rates are up and residential and all those things for mortgages. And they say, hey, look, things are doing pretty good. At least I'm not doing commercial real estate right now. And uh, I think that's a pretty good handoff to you, Adam, to say, how are things going? Because when we look at our bosses, we look at our jobs, we look at our shopping, all of these things that affect us, they sort of all land in one sector of real estate and that world. And that's where you guys work. What are you seeing? Oh, uh, so much to discuss. I'll say commercial is pretty broad. Uh, People often think of like, downtown office towers, the bow in Calgary. But you know, there's there's sections of commercial they're doing incredible right now. Uh, try getting a warehouse space in Vancouver or Toronto or Waterloo or most of the country, and you'll be waiting years and you'll be paying more than you've ever paid. So there are sectors, even hotels is something we've been discussing lately where I don't know if you've traveled lately, but people are fired up to travel and, and hotels are full and you pay top dollar for your flight in your hotel. So there's there's strength in some areas of commercial, but the biggest um, area everyone's watching is, of course, office. And I would say downtown office specifically. I think what one thing that's been interesting is that the suburbs are really holding up better in a lot of markets. Calgary would certainly be one of them where uh, everything that made downtown attractive before 
everything got flipped upside down during the pandemic. It's it's connected on transit. You can uh, you can do your shopping there. Well, that's that's not what people want to do anymore. They don't. They may not want to ride transit. They may not feel safe. Suddenly, the suburban office where I can drive. There's free parking. I can come and go as I please. I don't have to ride the bus next to someone. Uh, that that's suddenly been appealing. So it, generally, the story has always been downtown's where it's at. If you're a big occupier, you're a bank or a resource company or whatever you want to be downtown. That's where the people are. That's where the workers are. Uh, that's flipping around a little bit in a lot of markets where the the premium for downtown. You still pay more to be downtown. There's still new fancy new buildings being built downtown. But I think like if we just look at the vacancy rates, there's a lot of markets now where the suburbs are maybe holding up. A little better um, in in terms of vacancy than than the downtown. GTA is not one of those areas. We've still got a stronger downtown, but um, yeah. certainly if you looked at Saskatoon, Vancouver, Calgary, a lot of markets, you'd see the the suburbs really outperforming. Well, the downtown. What is downtown Toronto anymore anyway? It just kind of spills over everywhere. The um, but we've seen that with with Toronto and the TTC, right? Transit routes are changing. They've been trimming, 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 which is a much larger conversation about this whole. Let's be more, you know, climate responsible and take the transit, everybody. But the the proof is in the pudding when they're starting to adjust transit schedules because people aren't moving the same way. It's starting to restrict where people can go. So this idea is kind of backfiring a little bit that, hey, by the way, we can become a transit-based mass transportation world because people are not going to the same places that they used to go to. Um, I'm curious about, you said about warehousing. We have an awful lot of people that that listen and and uh, do you know trucking and deliveries and such at nighttime here on the shift. So uh, what do you see in there? Is, is, this, is this this whole Amazon mentality of, you know, sort of this forward store forward notion of moving products around differently, or is it, are we just consuming more? I think a lot of it is just, uh, it's mostly e-commerce. When, when we chop up the data, you'd think, okay, this is about manufacturing or, or farming or oil. I mean, all car manufacturing, plenty of things need warehouses, but ultimately all the big deals come down to your big box stores and your grocery players and everything need a giant, state-of-the-art cooled warehouse with a 50-foot ceiling and, and all these this automation. And it's just, that's what's driving things. I mean, the, the pandemic changed our work from home behaviors, maybe forever. And it certainly changed our shopping behaviors. I know people who never used e-commerce before. They never used Amazon before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, once you start using it, you discover it's pretty easy. And all you have to do is hit the button and the Instacart guy that's me. D- delivers your food and, he, and Amazon does delivers your books and suddenly you don't need to leave the house. So I do think there's there's been a little pullback there. Like I think the initial forecast was this is it, e-commerce to the moon, every single thing is going to be bought online. But that actually hasn't happened. There's been a lot of like people were bored, they want to get back out, they want to shop again in person. But I think the warehouse economy, like it's still every quarter, it's like, I always joke, every quarter we put out the same warehouse report. Rents are at a record high, vacancies at a record low, no matter how much we, we construct, everybody just rents it instantly and we construct more and then they rent that instantly. So the market has just been on fire there and, and COVID sort of sort of supercharged this. Warehouses was already a strong market beforehand. And there's just, in most of the places, and, and Alberta is a bit of an exception here, there's such a land crunch. You've got your green belts or some kind of building restriction. Warehouses are pretty big. They take a lot of space, usually at the edge of town or by the airport. And people are just running out of space, they're going 50, 60, 70 
kilometers outside of town just to try to find something. So I actually think there's a we're we're seeing a real strong market in Alberta because it's not quite constrained that way. You can you can build a little more easily on the edge of town and in say Calgary than uh, than a few other markets. Yeah, we're not cornered by mountains and lakes and like most places. Like Toronto's got you know you Toronto you can only build really one direction. It's just that away. Right. And Vancouver, you can't build I mean, any direction. Yeah, have mercy. Have mercy on Vancouver. I mean, nobody. You can't build a warehouse on top of a mountain. As at least not yet. And, and we're seeing some innovation. Vancouver, because it's so squeezed, we're seeing some innovation, things that just weren't done before. There's now uh, multi-story warehouses where like the, yeah. there's sort of a circular staircase and the truck drives up to the to another warehouse on top of the warehouse. Nobody was talking about that five years ago, but you start squeezing the land more and more and more. We've densified houses. We've densified apartments. I guess we're going to start densifying warehouses. I, I think that's that's probably yeah. a wave of the future. You know, we need we need more like evil overlords to build more warehouses inside mountains next to their evil layers. <laughs> um, that's probably a thing that could come let, our way. Let but me this, talk this to this our deal makers about that. Maybe they may have some ideas. Yeah, <laughs> they might be able to do it. Um, so here, this is important for us, though, Adam, to talk about um, because this is your world. I, I think it, everyone's hearing about this this sort of swing of responsibility again, and I come back to that. The reason why it matters to have this conversation is I want all the shift heads who listen to the show to know that this consumer consumer based world is growing and growing and growing. And when we talk about warehousing as being the core of all of it, trucking, the core trains, the core, and all of these things are moving. Well, these diesel prices, we want to know why we're paying more. And you don't even have to comment on this. I'll just pontificate for a second that we wonder why we're paying more while well, the cost of diesel is up without a doubt. And the cost of uh, flying things without a doubt, the warehousing to me, and this was my assumption, was that even Amazon, Amazon has taught us this one day or two day delivery on a $3 patch cord so we can plug into our stereo. And they can't even deliver that anymore in a lot of ways. They're flying 767s all over the world. Their footprint of their own warehouses is massive. The, the reason why they have Climate Pledge Arena, uh, not Climate Success Arena, is because they know full well the impact of their server warehouses, which is probably another thing that's gobbling up space these days, is consuming so much power and so much footprint. And all of these things are growing, 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 only because of the fact that these people can't deliver in a day like we want. We want it in a day. We don't want seven days. And yet we're consuming, we're consuming, we're consuming. And so for all of us to say that we're being more responsible, it's just a lie. We're not, we're, we're being less responsible all the time. And the evidence is in this conversation. So this is why I wanted Adam to come on to help us understand the reality of what this space looks like. What does it look like? So if you're thinking about getting into trucking, I know our truckers will have a comment on this delivery, all that stuff. This is a good world. If you want to go get into learning how to drive a pallet jack and move things around a warehouse and get a job that way. This is a good world. It seems to me, Adam, that the world is really, really bright, albeit downtown shopping mall, maybe not so popular. Um, but there are some amazing um, opportunities here for jobs and careers and everything. Uh, absolutely. I think like one of the things we hear about all the time for, uh, for industrial is like the labor crunch. It just like, we, we're constantly getting questions on the research side of like, okay, how much does someone make as as a trucker, or as uh, you know, someone working in a warehouse as like on the logistics side. And it's like, that's a pretty significant cost that's gone up a lot. And that's, I think it's not, 
opportunity for a lot of people. Um, there's, you know, it's a strange, like we've been, uh, Shane, we've been hearing what, for a year that there's a recession, this crushing recession is coming. Then every month I open the newspaper and wow, the job, the job market is on fire and there's everyone is so surprised the job market did so much better like we're just not seeing the downswing it's supposed to be you know big layoffs and everyone's cutting back on their spending i i haven't seen <coughs> much evidence of that yet it seems like in a lot of areas there haven't been big layoffs and there's a lot of demand i mean there's demand for travel there's demand for as you say like just in time fulfillment um all of these services are a bit strained, right? They, I always say these things worked really smoothly before the pandemic, and then everyone started using them. And now all of a sudden, there's a lot more. I order my groceries. Oh, I'm sorry, there's there's been some kind of delay. You know, it's it's going to be an extra couple of days. Well, I mean, that's just that's the supply and demand element of it. Of we've all discovered that this is a good thing. Uh, we haven't necessarily scaled up all those systems to have the number of people, the number of trucks, the number of refrigerators required to make all of that function forever. And I think, you know, you can forgive people for a while. They, they thought, okay, this is just temporary. We, there's no way we could, anyone could have been prepared for this office, landlords, grocery stores, whatever. But now it's starting to seem a little bit more permanent. Some of this like, okay, the, the level of uh, e-commerce delivery, uh, f food delivery, all of that is, is really at a much higher level than it was before COVID. The other thing I always say, we're a little behind on in Canada on, on all this e-commerce stuff. Like it's insane how built out it is in the US. Like same day delivery, Amazon will deliver your yeah, groceries. Yeah, like you order something at noon, it's at your door by three. It, it's there it's three crazy. hours later. We, we're not quite there. And and when we've talked to the really big landlords about this there, they say Canada is still kind of catching up. Like it's, it's a difficult country to work in in some ways because of the weather, because of how spread out it is, because of, um, it's just, it's it, you can't just scale everything from the U.S. here. So you've got big markets there where there's eight major Amazon warehouses. There's no market in Canada where there's eight major Amazon warehouses. We'll get there, right. but we're still a little bit on the catch up there where these kind of things are more built out elsewhere. And these the really efficient side of it, like you're talking about same day, couple hours, uh, we're, we're not quite there yet. Uh, it's fascinating. I did have a friend who was looking for some commercial real estate retail style and looking to build a hair salon and went to uh, another friend who's a, re, uh, a commercial real estate agent. And they basically got to the point where, you know, just take it. Oh yeah, but there's so much more to look at. Yes, we will be here for weeks if you don't make a decision. There is a bunch for you to look at. The list of things for you to look at is so flipping long we're never going to make a decision here. And now real estate agent who's working on commissions and doesn't want to spend, you know, it's taxing on their time because the client wants to see the perfect space, right? Show me the perfect space. Well, I've already showed you 10. There's 90 more to go. Um, I can't service you that way. So what are we seeing where there are some struggles here? Maybe some good deals to be had. I don't know. Maybe somebody's listening, thinking that they were looking to pull the pin on, on a dream business or something. Yeah, on the on the retail and office side, it's it's certainly a different story than what I've you know I've been rah rah industrial warehouses. Uh, all of this stuff is going strong. I mean, I I don't think it's I'm breaking news by saying that the re storefront retail offices, you know, it, it's a different economy. Um, there has been some some softness there. Uh, you know, storefront retail was hit very hard by by the pandemic. Subsidies or not, like it was just a lot of places didn't survive. There's a lot of empty stores by me, and uh, Oh, you know, only so many of them can become 
fast food places or or whatever. So I, I, I think there's, yeah, there's some bargain hunting going on there, but there's still like, I, I was doing retail five years ago and we were talking about how retail's dead and this is a huge downswing. It seems to always, that always seems to be the story and yet there's still life there's always some new tenant or something bringing it back to life there's there's the services side there's i mean food and beverage has been on fire i don't know if you know this but we were all locked down for three years and then lots of people me included were like i want to get out and have some fun and have some drinks and go to a show and eat at a nice restaurant and see a movie and all of that stuff so like the split that people always talk about is uh the old kind of go to the mall and there's 200 different fashion stores that are all kind of like each other uh, that that's really suffering right now, but anything experiential, it's fun, it's unique, it's cultural, there's music, there's entertainment, there's sports, there's something like that along with there's games, something along with the retail, uh, those kind of things, people have a massive appetite for that. I would say even more than they did beforehand, just because of the denial of, you know, lockdown and, and COVID and not being able to go places. So I think uh, on the retail side and on the office side, like, we suffered through, you know, this kind of double whammy of I, nobody knew that lockdown and work from home was coming. But at the same time, we were also building tons of new office towers. I mean, here in Toronto, there's a new office tower still going up, you know, every three or four months. The problem is that was all planned four or five years ago. That's going to mm -hmm. peter out a little bit. We're going to find the balance of working from home. And we're also going to find the balance of between interest rate hikes and we just built a bunch of new buildings. There's a cycle. We're not going to build that many new buildings going forward. If you're in Calgary, you're familiar with you. You can, you know, the the building new buildings market can dry up pretty quickly, and you can just find yourself not building any. Or maybe even the case of Calgary removing some of those old office buildings. That's something we've been hearing mm -hmm. about in a lot of markets. Which is maybe we just have too many office buildings. A lot of them are old, and we need to start thinking about this could become a vertical farm, affordable housing, a fulfillment center, a hotel. Like there, there's a way to repurpose these buildings that might have some architectural value, historical value. We need to start repurposing this stuff and not just maybe waiting for someone to lease up the empty space, which is, you know, in the past been successful, but now with work from home, I think some city governments, provincial governments, they're starting to think a little more seriously about, okay, if this is what downtown is now, we don't want to just let this fall apart. We want to step in and say, we're going to give you guys a little help and you're going to turn this into a boutique hotel or a, an mm. apartment building or something like that. Yeah, giant climbing wall, um, mm. whatever it takes. So Adam Jacobs is with Colliers. So this is his world. One last question for you, Adam, before we bail is that we've seen, you know, Nordstrom didn't have a lot of stores. The stores they did have had a huge footprint. Bed, ba Bed Bath & Beyond, on the other hand, Boy, they had um, they had a lot of spots. So that's a kind of a double whammy in that mall world, mm -hmm. as we would call it. Uh, you know, you call that the retail. The uh, what, what's the impact of that? Does that create a vacuum for someone else to try again, like maybe a Simons to grow or something like that? Or do we see that we're probably just going to have some pretty open space in malls, more farmers market style <laughs> um, stores? Yeah, that's that's a trend that's just been going on for for forever now, which is, you know, the sort of bigger box type stores. I mean, didn't we went through all this with, you know, Sears and Zellers and Target, and you, you can pick out a lot of smaller um, retail just over time seems to become more and more split. There's um, the dollar store and, and those kind of things on the low end. And there's uh, 
aspirational or whatever you want to call the the higher end clothing and the the middle gets a little squeezed out and things like Sears or Bed Bath or Beyond you know they're they're right in the middle of that distribution it's just everyday kind of practical stuff and now they find themselves competing with well you know Costco does that and Amazon does that and Walmart does that and do I even have a a niche anymore so I think right. we're seeing um yeah there, there's the challenge of these bigger spaces being vacated but like I said a lot of what we're seeing is you're not just going to lease it to the next bath, bed, bath and beyond. It's going to become, you joke, but you know, the indoor climbing wall, the uh, dodgeball gym, the CrossFit right. training center, the kitty. I mean, we don't have enough daycares. We don't have enough schools. We've seen creative situations like, okay, this is social services, healthcare, dentistry, uh, child, you know, kids. I've taken my kids to like one of those um, play gyms that used to be right. a big box sports store that nobody shops at anymore. And now it's got trampolines and slides and stuff like that. So I think re the repurposing of all of that usually takes the form of something that's a little bit more of an experience and not just like you go buy a bunch of stuff off the shelf and then they restock it. And because just because that's a very competitive world, it always has been, but now um, with, with e-commerce nibbling away and able to, to do that, it's, it's just even more than it has been. Nordstrom, uh, I, I don't quite know what the story was there, I think it is going to have an impact on some of these bigger malls because, like I said, there's just th these anchor stores. There just aren't many of them left, right? I mean, there's the Bay Soldiers on and and has nine lives and never seems to uh, to fully stumble the way the others do. But without any more Sears and Zellers and Target and Nordstrom, I, I just don't know that, especially given how many American companies have failed in Canada now. I mean, Nordstrom, Target. I'm not sure a lot of other big box American companies are looking at Canada and saying, yeah, that's, that's it. That's the next spot where I'm going to go. That's kill the it. golden so, ticket. Yeah. Well, it, it was the golden ticket when our dollar was worth 25% more than it is now. Um, at 73 cents, I think people are thinking yeah, that that sounds like a hard way to make money for us. So, yeah, well, it's absolutely fascinating to do it. The good news is if you want to put in a trampoline park, Costco will sell you the trampoline. So you're all good. Um, <laughs> It's a fascinating conversation, though, and we this is uh, this is all businessy. But the reality is, is that this is why when we look at, we get told that life should be one way, but this is what's actually going on in the background. This is the life that is delivering all the stuff to us. So this is the grounded gravity place where we find the true answers to uh, to absolutely what is happening. It is quite fascinating. And hey, you never know. Maybe now's the time. If you wanted to open up your, your hair salon or whatever it is that you were thinking about, um, now might be the time to do it. Also, might be a great time to get into heavy-duty mechanics or truck driving. Could be a thing. Um, Adam, thanks so much for the insight, brother. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it, Shane. I'm glad to be here. I, I, um, I said I'm, I'm an early bird myself, but I'll, I'll try to tune in. Oh, that's awesome. Adam, thanks so much. Thank you, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. So, uh, what's up there, Skippy? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you saw that that footage. So tell me, Andy, what happened? You were recording yourself doing your jump rope, doing your social virals in your backyard, and you were giving her. 
Yeah. And then um, all of a sudden, um, a little old man kicked in for you. Well, it all started this morning. I was at the gym and I was working out and then I was jumping rope at, at the end. And then I, I think I, I, I developed a new move that I've never seen before. It's like a crossover with your hands and your feet at the same time. And it just kind of happened spontaneously. And, and then I was like, you know what? I need to record this. This could be a brand new move that no one's ever done. So I wanted to record it and then send it to my jump rope group to see if anyone's ever seen this move. And so I'm just giving her and, and you know, getting warmed up and ready to pull this move off. And then one of my feet just kind of like my ankle rolls over. And it just like was this sudden sharp pain. And it was all on video. So I, I took the video and, and put it in slow-mo because I wanted to watch the injury in slow-mo as it happened. And then I posted it on Twitter. And it's hard to see. Every time I see it, Shane, when I watch it, I get pain in my foot again. Like it just mm. comes right back. So um, yeah, well, that's the first. I've had many injuries, but the first time I've actually had it on video. Um, so that, that I kept for the memory books. Yeah, you uh, you said it might be something that everyone gets to see and like the next new move. I mean, technically, yes, um, uh, the next new move. Well, no, that wasn't the move that I was trying to show. But, um, you know, uh, injuries happen all the time. And thankfully, I think it's okay. It was just that I've been sitting at my computer. And then as soon as I got up, I could feel that it's all swollen. So I'm going to put an ice pack uh, before bed tonight. But you know, it just it just reminds me that sometimes I just got to turn it down, Shane. I'm gonna, I'm, I am getting old, can't be uh, getting injured all the time. It, it's pretty much happens like every two to three months where I'm making progress and then I get injured and then the rehab starts and the cycle <sighs> continues. That's good. So, how is your ankle? You rolled it. It's actually quite ugly. Um, I saw you posted it. Did you post it on the shift head page or did you just post that on? No, no. I, you know what? I will post it on Can the you? shift head. You might have to yeah. now. I mean, I guess I, so now that we're talking about to. it. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was quite an ugly roll, to be honest. I mean, I'm teasing you, of course, but I mean, it was quite ugly. So are you okay? Are you hobbling around? I, I, I'm okay. You know, um, it didn't hurt. I, I walked it off. It was only when I was sitting at the computer. I think the adrenaline was gone and then yeah. the it, kind of pain sets it. So we'll, we'll find out tomorrow morning. I think tomorrow yeah. morning is when, when I'm you really going to bed. Know. Yeah. Ooh. You know, there was a time when I uh, dislocated my shoulder. And, I, and back then they only gave you, because <laughs> it was like the 80s, right? Nobody cared. Um, they gave you what is like that thin, um, like sling that was made of a thin fabric. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like you couldn't even wash it. It would just fade away. Um, so it would fall off you. It was basically a knot tied on your shoulder. Right. So in my sleep, I went to bed that very first night and in my sleep that night, of course, the sling fell off. Well, in the morning I went to grab the blanket to throw it off so I could get out of bed forgetting Oh my God! You want to talk about pain? So I'm curious. Like you, before you get out of bed, you should hit record on the on the voice notes or something, and uh, and let us hear you get out of bed in the morning. I think I'm gonna put a, a sign on. I'm gonna just like tape a sign on the wall just to remind myself to like slowly yeah. get out of bed and put pressure on that foot because yeah, you're right. It could be it could be an ugly morning. That's the thing about these injuries, you know. You see this with hockey players, you know they'll. They'll get injured, they get up, they finish the game, but it's the next day that oh, yeah. they really start to feel it. Well, they also get injections from the doctor that help them that you and I don't have access to. You know, we don't keep a doctor with us all the time. 
Although we've played doctors on the radio from time to time. Uh, HandyAndyMedia.com, by the way, if you do want to go check out his blog, please do. Andy does post some of his favorites at shiftheads.ca in our Facebook group. Now, one of the four clever ways to reuse old garden hose, because he's a DIY guy, I'm assuming is for jump rope, but maybe not. No, no, not 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 necessarily. Um, but I know a lot of people are doing spring cleaning. I am, you know, the tech guy is coming out, out of his tech cave now. And um, anytime I go to someone's house and I see that old hose and I'm like, hey, what are you what are you doing with that garden hose that's under your deck? It looks like it's been there for a while. A lot of people will will hoard it and keep it, but they don't use it. And if you do have an old garden hose, there's a lot of creative things you can do. For one, you could sure. use it to make a chain cover. So if you have swings, if you have the kids in the backyard, you have those oh, yeah. old swings with the chain, you yeah. cut a slit down it and then you can cover it and that makes it a, a little more safer. Uh, another thing you could do, Shane, is you could put it on your hockey blades. You know, a lot of people have hockey blades sitting in their in their mm. shed. Uh, you don't want to keep those blades exposed. So you can take it, an old garden hose, cut a slit and then cover your hockey blades with that or any type of blade for that matter that's in your shed. So it's a nice protective cover over there. Um, sometimes hoses, mo most cases you get a kink and people want to throw it away. But what you could do is you can create a soaker hose. So you put some holes into it, then you run it around your garden bed and then you turn it on and then it'll become an automatic soaker hose. That's uh, something that I've done before. Or you could just make a shorter hose out of the hose. You can buy the end pieces. You can go to Home Depot and buy the ends and just take a longer hose, maybe find the part that still works make a shorter hose. Some people will actually take an old hose, run it across their fence to extend and get water to another side of the yard and just kind of like run it on the bottom of the fence. That's another good idea. But then you have to remember, Shane, there's also these new expandable hoses. Have you seen these? These, mm. these, these ones that I, shrink? I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm 12. Um, but yes, I have seen the uh, these ones. I find them really strange because they make it look like it coils up perfectly all the time, and I'm a skeptic. Uh, it, it doesn't coil up perfectly all the time, but it does make it super light. I, I bought my mom one of these because she had a problem with the big industrial kind of con contractor-grade hoses. They're, they're heavy, and mm, you want to haul heavy. them around the yard. These expandable ones, they work pretty good, but one thing I've noticed is when you have water in it, it expands. But you don't want to leave the water in there, especially in direct sun, because they're black. And if you leave that, it won't shrink again or it can get some holes in there. So it is a good option out there. You can buy them on Amazon, these expandable hoses. Um, but you met, better make sure that you don't keep water in it and you always deflate it and take it out of the sun. When it's exposed in the sun, that's where things go wrong with them. I've had to buy a couple over the years again because I made that mistake and it only takes like one mistake like you just leave it in the sun with it with water in it and then it's going to be um it's going to be a dud well they do they get big they get heavy I even left when I moved into this uh this place from last place I mean I just left the hose on a hook in the garage because it's like uh, you can have it right like um it's just one of those things that I feel like we can do a better job with in our neighborhoods like does everybody need a garden hose yeah. Does anyone need five garden hoses? Right. Most of them spend more time hung up in the garage or under the deck that you talk about than anywhere else. Right. It's just one of those things that I feel like we can do a better job about it. Yeah, that's true. But if you are getting a garden hose, one thing I recommend, especially if you're looking for something that's going to last you for a long time, is get the contractor grade hoses. You can buy them on Amazon. 
Yeah. I've done it. Costco usually they're heavier. sells them. Yeah. yeah, you know they're heavier, they're bulkier. But then you want to get that that little hose uh, adapter that you could put against your house, so you can have one that has wheels on it, where you can roll it up, so it's easy accessible. Then you 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 know you can put it into the end, use it, and then store it away. It just makes it accessible, especially these these contractor grade ones. They're heavy, so you want to make sure you have some type of holder for that hose, so that you'll you'll continue to use it. Otherwise. You probably just leave it because it's so inconvenient to move around uh, if it's just sitting in your shed. Why does your vacuum smell bad, DIY Andy? Yeah, so this is a lot of problems that uh, people have with their vacuums. They they'll vacuum their house and then they notice that their vacuums are really really smelly. I get the that most with common the dog. problem, Shane, is is mold. Uh, mm. There's probably some type of mold inside there. Um, and it usually comes from people not cleaning their vacuums often. I've been noticing this with Dyson vacuums. You know, they have those little canisters. I go to people's houses. I can see their Dyson and they leave the dirt in there. And it drives me absolutely nuts because, mm -hmm. you, you know, you have that canister, but you're, it's designed that you empty it right after use. Because if you keep that dust in there, it will start to build up on the sides, almost like your arteries. And when you have like, you know, clogged arteries. That's what happens with dust inside of these vacuums because I've had to take some apart and, you know, the cleaning job can be pretty extensive if you don't do regular maintenance on it and also clean the filters. A lot of people forget that well, vacuums have filters and you have yeah, to clean they don't, them. Just because they don't have a, a bag in them anymore, right? The yeah. bagless vacuums. Most people don't realize that you still have to take it apart and there's usually two. There's like a more of a HEPA looking style filter and a foamy filter and that's more for the exhaust um so the dust doesn't blow out of the uh, of the vacuum back into the air so while it's not filtering in a bag bagless style like they used to uh it doesn't mean it doesn't have a filter in it and people forget about that and that's what mine smells like the dog if i'm not careful i gotta rinse out that foamy yeah and you know what um the manufacturers are starting to realize that people keep forgetting to change their filters that they have sensors now inside the vacuum. So I know Dyson does this, where if the filter gets clogged, you'll actually get a notification on the vacuum itself to remind you to clean the filter. And a lot of the times, it's just you have to run it uh, in water and let it dry and then put it back into the vacuum. But you you got to think about it, Shane. Like we've come a far way over the last couple of years technologically with vacuums. You know, I don't even know if they make corded vacuums anymore. They, everything well, they has gone cordless. I did. They, I just found that out. Yeah, there's and people still buy them because they are cheaper than the batteries, yeah. and they typically have more power. But the convenience of the cordless, to your point, is just off the charts. I even bought one. I, I found one on Kijiji. I did a an experiment, and it said, you know, it works. It was. Uh, I like Shark. Like Dyson. I don't know why someone pay eight hundred dollars for a vacuum. You can go buy a shark for a couple hundred bucks. It is just as good, if not better. And um, the maybe not as durable, like it might not last as long, but the I don't know. They, they're great. So it just said uh, it works, but uh, it doesn't suck very well. And I'm like, this thing's just plugged. Yeah. So I bought it for next to nothing, like 20 bucks. And I went and I just took pop the things off. And sure enough, there's just in the neck, there's just a big ball That's of right. dust and goobers. Yeah. Pulled yeah. it out, thinking it sold it for a hundred bucks, yeah. and like it's it's amazing what it's amazing we as a society how wasteful we are because we don't people don't even look, they're like no nope. it doesn't work anymore and yeah. don't like by the way it's full of your goobers that's what it is, yeah uh, and people just don't take that time to put the maintenance in these vacuums and 
it's just a little TLC that you have to do and you can keep this vacuum running for, for a long, long time. But like you said, it's happened to me so many times. I've taken people's Dyson's. They said, oh, it just doesn't have any more suction. I take it apart. Just like you said, you find that yeah. clog, you unclog it, it, boom, good as new. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And actually, Trucker Dan just sent a text too. It says, I was given a vacuum cleaner years ago because it wasn't working properly. Took it apart, cleaned the filter. I've yet to find a vacuum that does a better job now. Uh, HandyAddyMedia.com, uh, really flexible. Uh, but here he is joining us with the DIY, the tech and the gadgets. Um, ChatGPT has been getting a, an awful lot of flack lately that people are like, okay, this is actually scraping an awful lot of information from people when it's going around the internet. Now, there are some benefits. It can save you some time when you use different AI to put things together. I know that with my old business, one thing that we were working on with a mega tech company was uh, how to rate videos because when you would go into a restaurant, because we serviced music videos for restaurants and pubs, and so it was all licensed. So when you would go in there, we had a hard time because what is too risque for a family having a meal? Well, is a girl in a, a bikini or is a girl in a thong bikini? Like, how do you do that, right? Like, how do you decide what rating is what? And there was AI that could just view the video and it would decide and it would flag. It could flag if it was a bikini. It could flag if it was guys who were shirtless. Yeah. It could flag all those things because you might not want that in the restaurant, right? So AI was able to do that a few years ago. It's come a long way. It has come a long way. And ChatGPT, because we have been using it so much, people are starting to realize that it's a very powerful tool to just summarize long pieces of text. So now you're seeing other companies and there's one, you can get this extension for a browser. It's called Glarity. And what it does is it'll take YouTube videos. If you watch a long, long-winded YouTube video and you just want to summarize it, you could use this plugin. And what it does is it takes the text from that YouTube video, feeds it to ChatGPT, which then will summarize the video for you. So this could be like a long-form podcast that you might watch and you just want the, the cliff notes. Now you can just run it through this AI and it will summarize it for you. But it's not just that, Shane. Even if you get some long-winded emails, you can now use AI. There's a company called Shortwave, and they have a, a Google-inspired app that basically is using ChatGPT. So if you have this long email, you press this button, Summarize, and it will just give you a summary of everything that's in that email. However, I would refrain from using this for your work email because yeah. if your boss sends you something and the AI misses it, you could get in a big, big trouble. Well, this is where this stuff scares me. I mean, this is like the Cole's notes of your book project that you had to do, right? Back in school. Yeah. And people are, then they ask you a question. Well, hey, by the way, how did Billy Bob, you know, die? Well, I don't know. I only read the Cole's notes, right? Like, th this is the thing is the nuances of the important things are found in failure. And yeah. there's no way AI can figure that out. No. And I just think that with the AI, you know, you're going to have all these companies are going to try to create these little products that we could use. But, you, you know, I wonder what the young people, how are they using AI? Like, what would 15-year-old Andy do with AI? Um, so I, I'll be interested because I know myself, if I was in school and I had the chance to have an essay written by AI, I'd probably use it. Oh, absolutely. You know, but, during COVID, my my son and his friends confessed 
that when school moved online and Google Docs was a thing with the check boxes like A, B, C, yeah. D, multiple choice quizzes, uh, they just used to look at the source code because all of the all of the questions were in the source Brilliant. code and the right yes. answer verification was in the source code. So that's all they would do is so they wanted to get the test. So they'd open the test up in another window. They would open up the view source and then they could see all the answers. Click, 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 do it. So if kids are willing to do it now based on, you know, a couple of years ago of what's possible through source code, absolutely they're going to do it. Yeah. And I think the educators just have to kind of integrate AI into the way to learn. I think that's the only way because it's out there. They're going to use it. So you got to talk about it in the classrooms. Yeah, there used to be ways for them to compare essays, right, online, and now they can't because they can take an old essay, run it through a an AI service, and it'll rewrite the essay, and there's just and it'll rewrite it differently every time. Mm-hmm. So, God, cheating has become so much easier. Thanks yeah. for being here, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? 877-399-9898. That's our phone number for you to let us know if uh, you are down with being up there. Are you okay with all of these things that we're going to chat about? Ryan. Yes. You doing good? Yeah, I'm great. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Pushy. Are you okay with? I was trying to chat with him, John. Oh, he didn't want to chat with me. Public art. Now, this is something I want to chat about, Shane. Public art. Because it can go one of two ways. All like, right. it can become an icon. Like, it, like, public art can be something that, you know, your city becomes proud of. Or the exact opposite. And mm. we both live near, I think, a perfect example of that. Calgary has a lot of incredible public art. The head at the foot of the bow tower is That's amazing. Mm-hmm. The murals and various massive, some of the biggest murals in the world are on the towers in downtown. There's mm-hmm. a lot of cool interactive art that's kind of sprinkled across the city. Mm-hmm. And then there's the big blue ring in the room. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. So, in the middle so of nowhere. It's like a streetlight. That's a circle. That's 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 a big, that wasn't even uh, designed by a Calgarian. It's weird. Yeah, a lot of uh, public art actually local is not is designed by people that are not living in the actual place you live. I usually. think that's um I think that that's a problem. I think it should all be local, at least Canadian. Yeah, yeah, and you get. It, I feel a little conflicted on that because yes, I think the priority should be that, but then there's sometimes like really cool opportunities for people from around the world to contribute, which I think is cool. Like there's uh, an example, I forget the name of the art, but the world's tallest um, mural, like, uh, you know, spray painted mural on the side of a building is now in Calgary and it was done by a German. He came to Calgary, painted it, and it's on the side of this old skyscraper and it looks amazing. And, you know, this German dude, like, that's a speciality. What would you you rather? Would you rather a a local person's art on the wall where you could be like, hey, Steve did that? Or would you like it to be some Banksy world, like, off the charts, amazing, perfect? Because some local art, like, like, I'm not... I'm not banging on net in Alberta or, you know, small towns like Flimflon, but just saying, 
the local artist might not be the greatest artist, you know? So what yeah. would you prefer? I think, I think there's, I think my point is there's room for both. I, if, if there's a local option that should always take priority, but if there's an yeah. opportunity from somewhere uh, that's not in your local community that can bring their all art and culture to your city, I think that's, I think that's cool. I think, you know, it's like an export. The uh, Talus Balls in Edmonton. Do you think they were designed by an Edmontonian? I know for a fact they were not. I okay, know don't reveal yet where. They were not. Okay, I will not right. say they where. Yes. Not. You Googled this like I did, didn't you? Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> um, a 26-year-old man has been arrested and is facing charges after finding himself stuck inside the infamous Talus Dome. It's not Talus like the phone company. Talus, T-A-L-U-S Dome, art piece in West Edmonton on sunday um fire crews responded to the call along the white mud drive by quinnell bridge and they were able to remove one of the public art structures silver balls in order to safely get the man out now district fire chief Tody, uh, troy brady said the man was climbing on the structure when he fell through one of the spaces and got stuck inside Maybe just enjoy the art, he advised. How Edmonton is this, right? Like, While out for a jog Sunday night, Connor Schwint came upon quite the scene around one of Edmonton's most polarizing public art pieces. They were like swarming the talus balls, all four of them, and one other woman. Edmonton Fire and Rescue Services were trying to free a person stuck inside the structure of stainless steel balls. My next question was, was it a kid or an adult? And with a tone of disappointment, they said an adult. Schwinn says the man appeared quite anxious and expressed needing to get out. Kind of like scurrying around. It was an anxious moment for him, I can imagine. The rescue took about 90 minutes. They had to cut out some of the spheres, leaving a large hole. We ended up removing one of the, the lower balls there, cutting all the brackets that were supporting it. It was a weird situation, but you would have thought you could get him the same way out, but wasn't able to climb up backwards. So, The 26-year-old was arrested and charged with mischief over $5,000 after police found that the man caused damage to several of the balls while climbing on top of the structure before he fell through one of the spaces, getting stuck between a ball and a hard place. I understand it's a stressful situation. I understand that it's going to cost money to fix this, but this is just one of those things that it's like, like, make me laugh. <laughs> okay. First of all, <laughs> credit for the dad joke. Oh, yeah. Well done. Excellent. Second of all, Silver Bell. I have to do it. Silver Bell. Um, so nobody thought to use one of those fire trucks that was there to use the bucket and just drop a rope down the hole he fell in, huh? No, but that's the thing. It's, so it's hard to, like, it's hard to tell because the structure is pretty, I mean, it, it, it just looks like a bunch of Christmas ornaments stacked on top of each other. And he literally, they could not get him out the way he went in. They could uh, not do it. Well, and he damaged so they couldn't just rope him right? through. Yeah. Pardon? They, he damaged a bunch too, right? It's like he's yes. Like, so that was a thing as well. I mean, you can kind of see like where his foot like collapsed. Some of them. So, <sighs> yeah. Uh, that was Lisa McGregor, by the way, from Global, who did the story. Um, the artwork is. Can we just can we just acknowledge the lower balls comment because that was pretty good. Um, there was also uh, a. I will also need to mention that the Global News 
Edmonton, I believe it was the five o'clock news. One of the anchors, I don't know which one, uh, said uh, the perp got himself into a ballsy situation. So oh, very they're good. just on fire over in Edmonton. Right now. The artwork <laughs> is made up of nearly 1,000 handcrafted stainless steel spheres. The city said the polished steel, stainless steel used for the piece is among the highest grade stainless steel available for architectural scaled applications. Fancy. It's a good way to justify how much it cost. The art was installed in 2011 when the Quinnell Bridge was expanded, part of the city policy requiring a percentage of construction projects budgets to be used for public art, which is, it's a beautiful piece of art. It's very it cool. is way nicer than some of the stuff we have in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was not designed by an Edmontonian. It was not designed by an Albertan. It was not designed by a Canadian. It was a California-based artist. And the cost was... $600,000. I'm all for public art. But when you look at the amount of groups that want schools and they want uh, hockey rinks or soccer fields and all those things, there is no way you can tell me that a bunch of steel balls by a bridge that costs $600,000 is more beneficial to the community than building a beautiful park or a playground or a a school part of a school okay, maybe a gymnasium but still you get my point i guess your point yeah it's actually that's actually cheaper than i thought it was going to be because it is really? like the high quality uh high quality high quality silver bill you want more of that i can give you more christmas you want more christmas i just go, think my dad does it really well it's just engraved in my brother and i's heads Nice. Okay. Um, are you okay with bodyguards? Bodyguards. Uh, I've had one experience in my life where a body, a bodyguard escorted me somewhere. One. It was awesome. I was, uh, me and my roommate, we uh, won a charity draw to see Iron Maiden VIP in Quebec City. And so we were at the mixing table for the concert with like Iron Maiden's manager and a couple of other people. And I had to go to the washroom because it also included free beer. And the security escorted me from the like maybe a three minute walk from one place to the to the washroom. And uh, in that moment, I was like, this is this is awesome. This is completely unnecessary. I don't need this yeah. whatsoever. And God, it was awesome. That's cool. There was a couple of um, there's I've had a couple of situations where we've had help. Um, um, <laughs> one, one, I played a bar that was so scary inside i used to dj (laughs) um where i had my own security everywhere i went he went with me everywhere i went and i basically said to them how much do you want to be paid to be here and i told them a number and and um they paid me the money and then um anything else and i said you know i want to have you know food and a bar tab and and by the way you're paying for my security and i brought my security and literally this place was so scary that if i had to go to the bathroom that my security came with me and he stood back to back with me while I stood at the urinal. Is that rough? Yes, it was that rough. So when I would go stand facing the urinal, he would back up to me back to back with me so I could take a leak. Not die. 
respect. Yeah. So yes, I was all for having a bodyguard because <laughs> that was amazing for me to be able to uh, actually <laughs> yeah. go and not go to die. the washroom. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, you might remember, uh, the movie 1992, The Bodyguard. Well, it turns out, of course, someone has capitalized on that. Such a beautiful story. Great movie and great songs with a musical called The Bodyguard. And we all know this moment from the original movie. Ryan, you can put the lighter away. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. It's just a lighter song. You know, you have to do the waves. It's amazing. The, uh, the show, the musical, did not end with a standing ovation for the Bodyguard musical. It ended with actual bodyguards. The show at the Palace Theater in Manchester was derailed after two fans started belting out, I will always love you and wouldn't stop. Thanks to the power of the internet and Ryan's time on Reddit, we actually found audio of it happening. (laughs) So... So the musical, this should not surprise you, does not allow sing-alongs, by the way, especially when the fans would not stop singing. Ushers reportedly carried signs saying, please refrain from singing. And one patron told the CBC that announcements were made in advance. The patrons uh, would have a chance to join along at the end, but don't sing during the show. So the lead singer's mic was cut mid-song. The house lights came up, and the offenders were evicted from the theater, struggling against being pulled out by their shoulders in video footage captured by attendees, and the show was officially called off. Now, we do have audio of the crowd celebrating security kicking out the singing Whitney fans, though. Hey, Uh, police have yet to lay charges against the party poopers. That's too bad. Uh, yeah, because like, you lose your money. Like, you, you know, the, you might over. get refunded. Uh, and it's just, it's a play, right? Like, it's just, you don't do that there. We had a, last week on the shift chain, we talked about like how nobody has movie theater etiquette anymore. And this mm-hmm. is the same thing. Like, it's just the, the lack of oh, self-awareness is mind-blowing here. And I don't care how drunk you are. Like, I could never in a million years belt something out at a play like that in England. Like, fancy theater and no respect. Like, it's just unthinkable, man. Come on. Well, I would, you know, I don't want to get all anti-millennial on you, but I I think it's this prank culture of going viral and and wanting to be the center of attention all the time i i feel like that has a, that plays a big part in this mentality that you know i can do anything because you know it might make the internet and look what we did i guess we talked about it right like so we're guilty of it i guess too yeah i mean oh i won't i'm, I'm not gonna any anybody that involves them throws themselves into that kind of culture and that mentality uh, yeah i've got no defense for you it's yeah. gross mm. It's gross, he says. It is gross. All right. and it, well, it's just, it's so wasteful. It's reckless. I mean, people exactly. are, I mean, have a good time. Absolutely. If they say sing at the end, belt it out. But really, do you need to right now, you know? All right.
are you okay with pranks? You know, with uh, April Fool's on a Saturday this year, it was kind of low on the old prank yeah. chart. Yeah, there like wasn't really. Thing. I think yeah, COVID killed April much. Fool's Day. Yeah, COVID really did. I mean, usually a lot of video game companies will have fun joke events. Like there's this one game called War Thunder. It's like a, you know, military game. And for April Fool's a couple years ago, all of the vehicles were turned into My Little Ponies with rocket cannons on their back. That's that's pretty funny. See, so, you know, I like when people do that for April Fool's. Uh, But I'd say like over the years, it's just like people have stopped really caring too, too much. You know, they'll, it's mostly just a funny tweet uh or you know a quick little thing here and there it's a mention that gets people's hopes up and then they're disappointed that's yeah. that's 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 all you really get out of april fools these days honestly mm-hmm. there's a couple of good ones out there that went sort of viral yep. that people did but a good prank is is good no one likes being on the receiving end of a bad prank though absolutely yep. nobody wants to be the receiving end of a gun youtube prankster tanner cook is recovering in hospital after his prank at a mall went wrong very wrong and left him with a gunshot wound Cook is a content creator for the YouTube page Classified Goons. His father saying they were making another video leading up to the shooting. And they were making a video in the mall and trying to have fun with people. And this guy wasn't having fun. And and, uh, there was a phone that was around him. And and, um, they were interviewing him or talking to him. And he didn't like it and pulled the gun out and shot my son. According to the family, there is video of what happened, but that video is now evidence. This father says despite what Coley is accused of doing, he doesn't hold bitterness or anger towards him. Uh, what? Okay. Um, that was from CBS9, by the way. Despite his injuries, Tanner Cook said it will not stop him from creating videos. Did he have a gun in his video? Was Like, did he... No, so... The guys just do it like, it's a prank, bro. Like that kind of YouTube get in your face and like, I don't know, make a super clickbaity title. And then the guy that was caught in the middle of it said, nope, and shot, allegedly shot the prankster. So the prankster didn't have a gun or anything. The prankster was not threatening. As far as we know, it wasn't doing anything threatening, just being very annoying as is standard for a YouTube prankster. And then the guy incorrectly responded with a gun. Hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, don't shoot people. Yes, it goes without saying, I would hope. But here but we I, I got part of me. I'm going to sound really cold and callous here, but nobody died. So we're OK. Thankfully. Yep. I think there's this expectation that you can get away with anything and there's no consequences with some of these creators. And I think they're yeah. like, I'll just do whatever I like. And then, by the way, their gravity at the Grand Canyon is a real thing, friend. Hope you enjoyed your selfie. Right. Like, and I don't want to sound cold and callous, but. You know, there's a little natural selection in some of these cases. I mean, it's it's also just the fact that, you know, this is, the, you know, he does the prank and obviously the, the guy committed a crime by shooting him, but he mm. nearly died because of something that is objectively really stupid, just prank content. It's not entertaining. It's not that great. And then his response is, I'm going to keep doing it. It's, it's, it's just, I feel like you're not really listening to the universe telling you, yeah. hey man, maybe there's other ways you can be creative on YouTube. Now that's in the States. Laws are different. In regards yes, to being threatened as well, so. yeah. right? So, um, you know, maybe maybe that's that's a thing too, and and that's the mentality. I don't know. I just think it seems a little loose to me to just expect that I'm I can get away with anything, and it's there's no consequence. <laughs> but I think you're right when you say, I don't think they're don't think they're really listening to what's happening. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.